1: Welcome to 3 Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon.
2: And we're on, and welcome to another edition of 3 Yards Per Carry. By my count, I think it's the eighth in a row without a win. Let's hope we don't do do many more without a win. But, you know, we're just a a couple of babies, Simon, because last year we did 14 in a row. (laughs) Wow. Without a win, without a win, you know it's a miracle we didn't just kill each other on the air. <laughs> wow, fourteen in a row last year. Are we going for a record this year? Uh, uh, let's, uh, hope let, let, let's hope not. Let's uh, hope not. the The good news is that you can't break that record because the most we can lose in a row without a winning episode is twelve. Okay, so, but this <sighs> show is always brought to you as as as, as you can hear that that Simon. Uh, we don't have Chris. Chris is busy. I will have Chris on the second half of the show as we'll record in two parts. This show is brought to you by Price Pick. Use promo code 5-F-I-V-E. You deposit $100, you get $100, and it's a one-time rollover, which means you bet it through once, you get $100. So if you're following me, it's a free $100. Take it. F-I-V-E. As always, Manscaped, use promo code 5RSN, 20% off your entire order, plus free shipping, and betteredge.com slash five. The number five reasons you sign up, you get $25. You just get $25 just for signing up. All right. There's just so many ways we could say that, you know, two will ruin Christmas. So we're not, mm-hmm. not going to get too deep into that. The man went from the greatest game he's ever played in a half where he had 300 yards passing on 13 completions, which is unheard of. Uh, by the way, I looked it up. Uh, Dan Marino never did that. Best Dan Marino ever did was 421 yards on 24 completions, which is insane on its own. <laughs> Okay, so the man went from the the greatest game or the greatest half ever played by a quarterback in a dolphin uniform to absolutely falling apart uh, in the fourth quarter, making reads that no quarterback should ever make. But we're gonna dig a little bit deeper into other things. Uh, I mean, he's be- definitely it's
3: definitely worth a conversation though, about that game and about the ramifications of it because you know I I think it's really worth drilling down into the fact that. You know, we started the season, you know, he was okay against New England. He was okay against Buffalo. We only had the ball for, what was it, 19 minutes of the game. But, you know, Mm -hmm. we got the win. He played okay. He he was fantastic, unbelievable in the fourth quarter against Baltimore, but pretty mediocre for the first three quarters. But we don't really talk about the first three quarters because he was so unbelievable in the fourth, and that's great. Mm -hmm. Then, obviously, good against... Uh, Against Cincinnati, the the throw to Kosicki that we all remember was absolutely beautiful. The interception to Von Bell wasn't great, but he was playing pretty well and tight game on the road in Cincinnati. Then the injury out of five games, comeback, five brilliant games. But essentially, look, you know, there's no other way of slicing it. Five games where he beat, you know, below... Par teams in the league. I mean, the, the best win in that was against the Detroit Lions, who just gave up, up almost 400 yards rushing against a five and nine Carolina Panthers team on Sunday. So, you know, that was the best victory in in that five. And then we hit December, and when you you know you need your big boy pants on, and you know you take the Bengals. The Bengals have won seven games in a row. Six of those games are against teams that are either in the playoffs or are probably going to the playoffs. The, the only other team is the, the is the Browns at home. Um yeah, the, you know, Bengals we, loss,
2: the Bengals only lost. The Bengals only lost in the last two months was to a team that we beat by 25 points.
3: Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But the, 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 you know, and then you hit this, this, this four game swing in, in, in December where he plays badly in San Francisco. We lose. He plays really badly in, in LA and we lose. He plays well in Buffalo, but we lose. And then he plays. You know, it, it's the flip side of the Baltimore game, really, in that, you know, nobody wants to talk about the first three quarters of the Baltimore game for obvious reasons, because the fourth quarter was so uh, amazing. Well, you know, now people are, don't want to talk about the fourth quarter, in, you know, Miami fans don't want to talk about the fourth quarter because they want to talk about what happened in the first three quarters. So there's this kind of odd dichotomy of, but, but, but my, my point being that because of the concussion, which we're going to get on to talk about, we, I don't know where we are. We're in the same position, pretty much, that we were in August. Yes. We don't we're going to go into the off season not knowing what we have a quarterback because you know for all the plus points in those five games where he was fantastic.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, we gained so a many, little information. We gained a little yeah, bit of, of information. But, okay. But we gained a
3: little bit of information, but then teams started to work it out. And all of a sudden, we're back to sort of, oh, really? Okay, it doesn't look quite. We're not moving the ball as he, you know, unless it's uh, we cannot sustain drives. I think I read somebody said I think out of the last eighteen offensive drives, we've had two drives that we've actually sustained where they we either haven't punted or there's not been an explosive play to for a touchdown. We cannot. You know, sustain a normal drive where you pick up six yards here and thirteen yards there and two yards here and four yards there and nine yards here, and we can't move the ball down the field like that. It's explosive. It's feast or famine, and I just think we enter the off season situation because look, I, I think it's unlikely Tua plays on Sunday. It, there's a, I think there's a distinct possibility he doesn't play again this season, and if that's the situation, then you're heading into an off season where you just think, I, I do we know what we've got a quarterback? We we don't. You're not going well, to. Invest... We came
2: into the season. We came Isle into the cash. season. We came into the season with three three questions about about Tua Tungabalo. Uh Question number one: Can he play? Uh, can, is he a good quarterback? I think that that question was mostly answered. He's a top twelve ish
3: quarterback. Mm, I don't know. I think he's.
2: <laughs> well, his numbers. His numbers at the end of the season. You know, since time immemorial, we pay attention to these numbers and we care about these numbers. All of a sudden, we're not going to care about these numbers.
3: But like numbers are relative, though, right? Like pass it. Like go back and look at some of Jeff George's numbers. Jeff George put up massive numbers, but are we talking about Jeff George as a as a great quarterback? I think numbers, especially in the modern game, are slightly. You know, the number I care about is winning in December and January, winning on the road against big teams. And Tua has not beaten a single team in December with a winning record since he came to Miami, and, and that's the thing I care about most. You know, when we needed him most, and no win is more important than the others. But well, he won't do that is,
2: again this year, by the way, unless he no, wins a playoff game.
3: <laughs> exactly, which.
2: Even yeah, if, he if he wins the last two games, because he wins the last two games, he's going to win two games against, look, the Jets are losing. And Mike White or no Mike White, Mike White, I don't care who the hell's that quarterback. Joe Namath could come out of out of the coffin to play on Sunday. They're not beating the, the Seahawks on the road, okay? Seahawks are absolutely desperate. And if you watch them play, they're a capable team. And if you watch the Jets' offense, they're not capable, even with Mike White. The only thing that you're getting now is a little bit more competent offense, but more turnovers. Believe it or not, more turnovers than yeah. Zach Wilson. So the Jets are losing. So cool. they're going to play a 500 team on Sunday in the Patriots. And let's face it, that's a bad football team. If they don't turn you over and score on defense, they can't win. Simple as that. And then they're going to play a really bad team in the Jets. They're required to win both. I don't think that they've met the threshold. The team overall has met the threshold of the expectations of this season. And they can't. At this point, they can't unless they win a playoff game. Sure. And they kind of ruin their chances at winning a playoff game in this game against the Packers, against yeah. another mediocre team, by the way. Yeah,
3: yeah. I mean, look, there's th- th- there are so many things that come out of this, actually. But, like, I-, I think we can talk about numbers all we like and and everything that we did but and everything that he's done numbers-wise. But you can also say that in this four-game stretch, he's completed 52.8% of his passes or 54.8% of his passes, you know, which is considerably lower than what he was when we were beating – you know and his depth of target
2: work. keeps going higher and higher
3: yeah yeah for, but when like, we i don't know updates, what he's trying to prove it's like, different
2: like look you can argue and you could argue successfully that his uh, completion percentage is going down and it is but it's going down naturally it's yeah. going down because the depth of target is getting longer sure the, lo- the farther you throw the, the lower your completion percentage. so this is that's not completely because, natural
3: that's because teams are working you out though that's the thing which they clearly are doing and and the other thing is look and this to me is the biggest point about Tua right who we all three of us love we all so desperate for him to be successful and that's why it becomes such a big topic of conversation that it's either feast or famine with everything but here's three scenarios right let's say he gets cleared tomorrow comes out plays New England is amazing comes out the week after plays the Jets is amazing we go in the playoffs we go on the road to Arrowhead and he's amazing, and we either beat or lose on a last-second field goal. Nobody would be surprised if that happened, right? Nobody would be surprised. Mm. Flip it, scenario two, we play the Patriots, and he's really good. We play the Jets, and he's average, but we get in the playoffs, and then we we play the, the Chiefs, and we get blasted on national television, and he, and he plays like he did on Sunday, right? Or he plays like he did against the Chargers, awfully. Nobody would be surprised if that happened either. The final scenario is we play against the Patriots. He's mediocre, but we win. He plays against the Jets, and he's bad, but we win. And then we go to Kansas. Oh, oh no, sorry. And then he loses against the Jets, and we don't make the playoffs. Nobody would be surprised about that scenario either. Do you see what I mean? And so that's mm-hmm. the that's the problem. We're still in a situation where we can't get over the hump of inconsistency because we don't kind of know what, what's happening next. That, well, here's, here's, where I
2: stand. here's where I stand with him. Uh, coming into the season, there was three three serious questions I had in my mind about Tua Tungabalo. A, can he play? Can he be a good quarterback? In my opinion, I think he's answered that question. I've seen him play well. I saw him play a very good game against Buffalo against a very good defense, against a healthy defense minus Von Miller. But let's We, lost. It. Uh, we did think, lose. But yeah, Teron Armstead. Teron Armstead tends to eliminate Von Miller. I saw him play well against Buffalo the first time, the Baltimore game. Um I think his numbers warrant of another season. Okay, because there was a possibility that his numbers this year we're going to be to the point where you look at it and you go, okay, no, uh, we got to go get somebody else. Uh, bring in Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, who I think is an option, by the way. Yeah. Uh, but no, in my opinion, you know, question, uh, question a, I think he answered it. Yes. He, he can be a good quarterback in this league. He could be very good in this league. Question B was, can he play in elements? Well, we learned that in Buffalo, he could play and those, those that was pretty bad. Believe it or not, it was really bad on Sunday when it started the game. This is what confounds me. Like, I don't understand this. But the game starts. Yeah, but hold on. First... Let me finish this. The game starts and it's 46 degrees here in Miami and raining. And he's completed nine passes for 230 yards in the first quarter. Okay, so somehow that didn't bother him. The weather clears up and all hell breaks loose in the fourth quarter. When the, when the weather clears up and it's it's bone dry and it's about 52 degrees, so let's put, that, let's put that aside, okay? So I got the first question answered, and I got the second question kind of answered. My third question was durability, and that was a deal breaker for me as well. He missed two and a half games, and I'm going to call it three because he missed the entire Cincinnati game. Uh, he left the game when the score was 7-6, and we were driving to take the lead on a field goal, uh, another field goal that Jason Sanders missed, by the way, okay? yeah, He also missed another one this Sunday. That's another guy that should not be here next year. So, that's three games. He now self-reports a concussion. Uh, Who knows? Uh, He's being examined right now uh, as we speak. On Wednesday, they're going to know more. Uh, If he misses these two games, that's five games. That's enough to already say, okay, we have options for next season. You're either playing with a quarterback that you had to play injury bingo with the entire year, which means you're going to have to spend resources on a backup quarterback. A good one, because man, what I see of Skylar Thompson is just not—it's—it's not encouraging. Okay, the first quarter against Minnesota was encouraging. Everything else has been a disaster. Okay, so you're going to have to spend resources on a backup quarterback, and for sure, 2025, you're looking to move on unless something drastic happens in the next two years where all of a sudden he's not injury prone anymore. So you got to start planning ahead you're basically going to try to roll with a cheap quarterback that you know can kind of play, but you're going to have to make concessions for, meaning in the cap, you're going to have to sign an expensive backup quarterback, or you just make the decision next season to just go the, get a quick fix for two years. And the issue though, is about know about who your, that is.
3: Yeah. The issue about your point one though, is, is yes, he's been good, but he's been inconsistent. So you can't, Do you know what I mean? It's like people saying, in that five games, there were so many people just rushing to say, well, he's the future now. This is it. We've got the the guy. And it's like, we're definitely on the right path, but let's just pump the brakes a little bit. You know, let's just see a bigger sample size. Let's see what happens when you go to San Francisco. And let's see what happens when you go to, you know, wherever you need to go to. Let's see you take on Aaron Rodgers and go toe-to-toe and, you know, those sorts of things. That was, and and for me... The, just the inconsistency is just, you've got to overcome that. And, you know, and then the flip side to that is that the best availability, the best ability is availability. And yes. he's not available. He might miss another five games this season, you know. So at, at what point do you think, you know, and it's we don't my have favorite first, saying,
2: my favorite saying, are you good if you don't play?
3: <laughs> yeah. We don't have a first round pick. Next year, okay, we have a we have a two and two threes. Two threes will come pretty close together, but realistically, there's going to be a number of quarterbacks that go high: Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, Bryce Young, uh, and CJ Stroud. You don't have a chance of those. Hendon Hooker for me—that's th- not something you want to touch. Now, you look at someone like Tally mckee from 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 Stanford, then he might go in the first round. But beyond that, you're looking then at 2024, the 2024 draft. So you're looking at Drake May, and you're looking at Quinn Ewers, and you're obviously looking at the kid that just won the Heisman, Caleb Williams, etc., etc. The X factor in all of this becomes the person you just talked about, which people would probably think is Tom Brady, but I suspect it's probably Aaron Rodgers. Mm
2: -hmm. Okay,
3: ironically, the guy that you know we ended up playing at the weekend that we ended up losing to. Uh, And there's a situation in Green Bay, and and this is an informed guess, but this is an informed guess. You have a situation where the general manager, Brian Guttenkunst, and Mark Murphy is the, the team president, want to play Jordan Love. Now, yes, they extended Aaron Rodgers, but he's a two-time MVP who just went to, to back-to-back NFC Championship games, right?
2: Yeah, and, and to add on to that, Jay Glazer yesterday on Fox, he was asked, who's the starting quarterback week one for the Green Bay Packers next year? And he said, Jordan Love. And he goes, oh, yeah. you uh, you know, that, that's a pretty good guess. And he goes, no, that's a guarantee. They if Jay want- Glazer is saying that's a guarantee, I think that means something.
3: Yeah, they want Love to play. They want him to start. They want him to grow with this young group of offensive players. Elton Jenkins, Zach Tom, you know, Christian Watson, Romeo Dubs, Aaron Jones, still young. They want these guys to grow with Jordan Love, okay? Mm -hmm. Then the question becomes, what happens to Aaron Rodgers? He still wants to play, okay? Now, he's 38 years old. You can get at least two slash three good seasons out of Rodgers. Absolute minimum. You look at Tom Brady, he's 46, okay? To me... If there is a trade situation with Aaron Rodgers, that would be something that I would be certain the Miami Dolphins would, would be involved in. Now, would they? Would, would that happen? Who knows? Who knows? But I do not think that that's not a scenario that the Dolphins would be involved in because as Peter King said yesterday morning, the Dolphins internally will be having questions now about what they have. I literally reported it on OnlyFins five weeks ago and everybody's trying to deify him and saying, oh, well, you know, we need to sign into this $300 million contract. It's like just call your jets a little bit. That isn't going to happen at this point. The team needs a much bigger sample size to know what they're going to invest. You know, and if he doesn't play, and if the last four games, big games this season, he ends up losing, misses the final two, and then God forbid the Dolphins miss the playoffs, it's a big issue. It's a big issue.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he went from he went from a position of, of power in negotiation for next season to having to play out his contract next season. Yeah, he has to play it out time. now. Uh, he, he has no, he, uh, the best he can hope for is to have a monster year next year and then demand a contract in the off season, you know, and, and, and cause a stink that way. Uh, you know, where the pretty much the same, the the Lamar Jackson scenario. Okay. Yeah. And, and by the way, for you fans out there that want Lamar Jackson, forget it. It's not going to happen. Uh, first of all, I don't think it's a good fit anyway, with this, with this personnel. And second of all, uh the Ravens will not let them go. The Ravens no, already said no. they're gonna they'll tag, tag him. him. Yeah. Yes. They'll tag him and they'll drag that out another two years if they could. Now, you, you said a lot, you know, I I like what I like the I like some of those quarterbacks that you mentioned, but uh the, the Dolphins, that's not what they're not in that business. The Dolphins have a Ferrari and a Porsche or a Ferrari and a Lamborghini. And all they gotta do is find a guy and say who wants to drive this thing. You know, do you want the keys, Aaron Rodgers, or do you want the keys, Tom Brady, on your farewell tour? So it's like they have something to sell, okay? Because I've done this 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 exercise with a couple of guys, okay, that have asked me, ah, oh, you know, but you know. ultimately this has to come back to Chris Greer, and I've asked this again, uh, which part of this roster don't you like? Like what part of this roster is bad? And it always comes back, oh, the offensive line. I'm like, well, the offensive line has played actually pretty well in this losing streak. And the offensive line has three really good pieces. It's extremely difficult to have five. It, you know, this is not the 80s. You can't build the 1994 Cowboys offensive line. That's not possible, okay? Even the Cowboys to this day, all right, who spent a lot of resources on their offensive line. Look at their offensive line now. It's an absolute disaster, okay? Dak, Dak Prescott gets hit a ton, and he's having a bad season. So which part of this roster don't you like, Uh this defensive line is loaded. You had a lot of talent. Now it's all injured in the secondary. Evidently, you're going to have to, you know, redo that. The skill position players, I like them all. I think Cedric, Cedric Wilson was extremely underutilized. The running backs are good. The tight end is good. I mean, the fullback is good. The tight end, you know, it's $10 million. That's going to be completely wasted. But you could easily replace that next season. Yeah. Okay. If you're worried about a tight end, then, okay, your roster's good.
3: <laughs> you know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Sticking around. I mean, the frustrating thing for me is, like, I'm literally just looking, Josh Josh Houts, who we all know and love, Josh has just put up the interceptions from Sunday, right? And I'm just looking at them at the All-22. The first one is essentially a two-man route to the to the, to the the top side of the field, right? And this is what we talk about, about one read and throw, which is what Tua tends to do predominantly between the twenty. So from the, our own 20-yard line, 30-40, midfield, 40-30, down to the 20. Okay, two-man route to the top side of the field. He got Hill in Motion. And then essentially, he throws, Hill is the target the entire way, he throws to Hill, is never open. Uh, there, there are five defenders, they're essentially playing a shell coverage, okay? When we talk about one read, when you, if you stop the film, just as he's about to make the throw, you've literally got Raheem Mostert, if he comes off a throw that's never there anyway, okay, you've got Raheem Mostert open in the middle of the field at the 25-yard line. But if he waits a beat more, Trent Sherfield is... What breaking wide open to the to the full side of the field, the dolphin sideline. I mean, he would literally have whoever thirty six is twenty six. Oh, so so um the kid they took in the first round a couple of years ago, the safety, um Darnell Savage. They would li- he would literally be one on one with Savage for a touchdown, uh, and it's just things like that, and you just think. That's the frustration. I mean, that's the inconsistency. The, the, the throw was high. The throw was in the wrong area. It was it, it, it was just in a, in a bunch of five guys. If he threw it to Wadley, it would be picked off by Rizal Douglas, who's, who's coming across in front of him. You just think, just take a beat. It doesn't have to come out that quickly. Just just go through that progression because pick up six yards. You've got Raheem Most at there. You know, he'll make the catch. He'll be tackled by Campbell. But then if you just take a hair longer, Sherfield is... You know, Sheffield's housing that, mate. He's absolutely housing it, and that to me yeah. is the frustration. Do you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I, I I completely completely agree. And the second the second interception, I think, is extremely important because the second interception, Raheem Mostert, when he Raheem Mostert release releases on that glance route, okay, it it's a simple. They teach this in in OTAs, day one of OTAs, and he took blame for this, okay. But you know, you're looking in front of you and if you see a safety is on the hash and you see it right down the field you see it from from behind from the all 22 view the safety's right on the hash staring at Raheem Moster that play is not there so why you keep running no you got you got to cut it short
3: uh, but my, moster is uh, but even when Tua throws it he's like i don't know what he thinks moster is going to he'd have to do some sort of contortion trick to turn <laughs> his body around to and then the third one, I'm just looking at it now. The the final one. I mean, this yeah, the is third
2: amazing. one. The third one is the dumbest of them all. It's cloud six covered two. A, yeah, it's, it's a, a high man under, concept right? manner
3: exactly. And the yeah. worst thing about it is, again, just take a beat because a you've got Tyreek Hill open underneath,
2: and that's where he has and to go. That's that's actually or, the first read. For some reason, he this time he doesn't like throwing the the guy he overthrows too, too, too much. He or, throws a Tyreek Hill way too much. Already. If he
3: waits for a split second, Jeff Wilson is wide open underneath and picking up massive... Like, Hill is wide open at the 35. Wilson's wide open at the 31. I mean, <laughs> where is he throwing it? I mean, I'm, for this is obviously difficult for people because this is a podcast and you can't see what we're seeing, but you can kind of envisage it. But where... Like, where, even if he waits, like, the scary thing is, even if he waits another second, not only does he have Hill at the 35, he has Wilson at the 31, but then in man coverage on the outside, he's got, I don't know who that is, who's wearing long sleeves. Is it Smythe? Is it a white, looks like a white receiver. It's probably Waddle's Waddle's
2: wearing sleeves.
3: Oh, was it Waddle? It must be Waddle, actually. Oh, no, Waddle's in the middle. Waddle's, oh, no, that's Sherfield in the middle. It is Waddle, then. Waddle looks like he's got white hands. But Waddle is breaking wide open at the forty-five, and the safety Rudy Ford is far enough off. Never is definitely Waddle. But Jair Alexander's like at at the cut point at the forty-five. Jair is beaten, mate. I just it's the one. Literally, it's literally the one place on the field you don't throw it. Okay, Sherfield is Sherfield is the other place you don't throw it. Okay, but there are one. You got Hill open at the thirty-five. You got Wilson open for a big gain.
2: Well, it's 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 the most basic. It's the most. He look. He's seen. This is a college coverage. Okay. He's seen this. You know, Texas A and M played this against him. T- Tennessee played this against him. Uh f- For that matter, Clemson. You know, South Carolina. Everybody played it against him. You know why? Because it's the most basic of all zone yeah, coverages.
3: No <laughs> pressure. No pressure. Really <laughs> okay. clean pocket. Brandon it's, Shell holding up against Preston. Just take a t- take a beat.
2: Yeah. What the what the what the Packers were doing with that play call calling Cloud Six Two Men Under is. Look, we're just gonna take a play to assess and force him to take eight yards here. Yeah,
3: and it's man with our guys.
2: Hey, but with our guys, eight can turn to twenty-five. So it, it behooves you to try to take the eight, right?
3: The other thing is right. It's man on the other side of the field, so it's man to the top side of the field, and it's and it's it's cover two to the bottom side, and you could almost forgive him if he looked left and thought model in man, Sherfield in man, it's man coverage. I'm going to throw to Kosicki because Resol Douglas is on Tyreek, right? Mm. That's the, but he doesn't ever look to that side. So he just gets completely fooled by one of the most basic high-low cover two coverages that you've ever seen. Mm. Oh God, it makes me want to shoot myself in the face.
2: <laughs> it's awful. Okay. You know, what's also awful when you look at uh, the numbers that this team has produced. What if I told you before the season, would you take these numbers? Okay, and these are just projected numbers throughout, you know, their averages for the last two games, even with Teddy Bridgewater cuz he he played a little bit against Minnesota. If I told you that you you were going to have an offense that was going to throw it for 4,800 yards, okay? And in excess of 30 touchdowns, and your running backs were going to rush and receive for over 2,100 yards, and your two top receivers would shatter and i mean shatter mark clayton and mark uh, duper's record for one season by how many is it right now Uh, they have them already beat by 262 yards with two games to go if i told you all these things plus i told you that your offense is ranked fourth in the nfl but you're 8 and 7 how
3: how or we'll go back to go back to the first touchdown against San Francisco. The touchdown to Trent Sherfield on the pl- first play of the game when Sherfield crosses the goal line. Okay, and Miami take a six to nothing lead. The Dolphins are then, if the season stopped, then would be the number one seed in the AFC at that point. When Trent Sherfield crossed the line and you became the number one seed in the AFC, would you at any point have said, "Mate, we're going to be eight and seven? We're going to be on a four-game losing streak, having having three terrible tour games and one really good one and potentially looking to not make the playoffs. Nobody yeah, would have said a, that.
2: It's insane. It really is insane. It, it, you know, you look at these numbers, like these are eye-popping. And this is why, you know, when everybody tells me, okay, you know, what are the things to complain about? Mike McDaniel is nowhere near on my list. Look, the guy came in with a reputation as an offensive guru. Uh, that's what he did. He offensive gurued this season. Look at these numbers. Like he took an absolutely garbage offense, sprinkled in Tyreek Hill and two running backs and Teron Armstead. Like and and Connor Williams. What what a signing that was. Mm. Okay, although oh. it reared its ugly head yesterday, the, the, the bad snap. But you know, you, you look at that and you're like, okay, Mike McDaniel kept his promise. He said he was going to bring an offense here. Okay, voila, here it is. <laughs> but everything else went bad. Like, Danny yeah. Crossman, like, if there was a candidate to get fired today, yeah, like, what in the hell was he doing in that game
3: against Shunty the Packers? Does. Should I tell you something that annoys me a little bit about the fan base, just generally? Right, is that uh, and, and look, McDaniel is not above criticism at all, and I think
2: no, no, he, uh, he absolutely he, deserves some. There, absolutely. there are some,
3: there are some in-game issues, but one of the in-game issues was the fact that he should have thrown a challenge flag for that Mercedes, Mercedes Lewis catch down the sideline. That Eric yes. wrote pretty amazing coverage and probably missed knocking it away by about an inch, right? But the people that are upstairs looking at that are beholden generally to the TV replay and there was no tv replay that came in before the packers called the next play so essentially mm-hmm. you are not knowing and you are you are throwing a flag whether you know you don't know in a tight game where you might need your timeout where you might need your challenge if the tv replay isn't showing anybody a flag uh, anybody the play until after the next play which is what happened it's very difficult for anybody to 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 justify saying we need to call it we need to, you need to throw a challenge back here he didn't catch it if you can't see it you don't know because in real time i thought it was definitely a catch So Actually, did did, you know even afterwards i wasn't a hundred percent sure It definitely moved a little bit And i think that one of the hands came away and the ball probably just nestled on the ground therefore make it incomplete but i wasn't a hundred percent sure but if if nobody can see the replay it's very hard for McDaniel just to go oh, i'm just gonna waste a challenge here because do you know what i mean that that's mm-hmm. a, that to me is quite a difficult one it's um
2: yeah no i'm completely with you uh and and mike mcdaniel had a, a pretty good exam he had a pretty good explanation on that he was like you know i, I trust the process because the guys are usually in my ear immediately hey challenge this don't challenge mm-hmm. that uh and he said he kept asking and that there was no answer and they're like we don't have anything yet yeah
3: when you're in the booth you know it's the same as when you're in the press box you get exactly you just get the t- there's no sort of funky special replays the only the only extra replays that you that people see are in the literally in the commentators' box because what happens is that the spotters. So you wonder why Chris Collinsworth and all these people are so well informed. They've got spotters saying, "Watch this play. Watch what happens here. Watch, watch eighty-two take on you know. Watch the great hit here. Watch the way he knocks out. Watch the you know because." I think people sort of think, how does Chris Collinsworth know exactly what to look out seven seconds after the plays finished? How do he know that that was going to break down? Well, it's because people are watching the plays from multiple angles and telling him what's happening. That isn't happening in the in the press box. That isn't happening in the in the players uh, in the coaches box. They are literally seeing the TV replays, and if they don't show yeah. a replay, you don't get the chance to challenge it. And that's unfortunately what happened at the weekend. Yeah, so blame Fox, and- blame Rupert Murdoch.
2: And moving on to the, the yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, that, that was another thing. Uh, like, why Why were there, there were so many few, there were so few replays on that? And then they showed him so late to the point, look, the play was completed 40 yards downfield, and Aaron Rodgers is already running a snap before they show the first replay. So it was almost impossible to even challenge any of that. Now, the last one, look, Barry Jackson's already put it out there. Like, Danny Crossman and Josh Boyer are dead men walking. And I hate that we're one of those teams that do the same shit you know, every single year where you look for the scapegoat. Okay, what unit did, you know, underperformed? All right, fire everybody there. All right, but, you know, listen to this and tell me what's the problem here, okay? The Dolphins blitzed Aaron Rodgers 25 times, okay, on 25 of his snaps or his pass snaps, which he had 38, okay? So there was 13 more that they didn't blitz him on, which means that they blitzed him a vast majority of the time. He had a 111 passer rating when he was blitzed. He had a 29.3 passer rating on the other 13 times when he was not blitzed. Um, what's wrong with Josh Boyer? And and why is he hell bent on throwing the season away? I mean, it's
3: Like it's hard, isn't it? You, you know, coaches are, you know, it's not like coaches don't, you know, I spent three months, four months working with two professional soccer coaches last season. And it's not like they don't try. And, you know, it's not like they don't care. And, and let's
2: be fair. Let's be fair. Uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers was not good in this game. He had 5.6 yards per attempt. He had a turnover and he was hit 238 yards. Like if you can't fade that from Aaron Rodgers, then, you know, come on. I thought the defense were
3: excellent in the first half. I just think they, they just give up big plays in critical moments. And, you know, ultimately that's on the players. But you know the, the 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 scapegoat is always going to be the defensive coordinator, and I don't think Boy has been that bad. I just think you know they. It's almost like you you'd rather than be a bit shitter in regulation situations and a bit better in those critical third and longs, or do you know what I mean? The ones that have really mattered, mm. the drive at the end against the Packers, the drive at the end against the Bills. I'd rather them be a little bit weaker earlier on in the game maybe give up a couple of you know third downs. Yeah, that's another up thing. Up we played
2: a showdown game against the Bills in Buffalo in terrible weather and every big play Josh Allen made was yeah. against our blitz. Every yeah. single one. And we only blitzed 12 times. How is that possible? And the first time, how how is this how can this man week 3 call such a masterful and patient game plan against yeah. Josh Allen and then be so impatient against other quarterbacks which Maybe not as good, but you know, can't hurt you.
3: You know, look, for all the negativity, we've got two games left and we win both. We're in the playoffs. We might get our quarterback back. You know, he might come back against the Jets, hammer the Jets, upset the Chiefs, and we're in the division. Excuse me, we're in the divisional round. And we we just don't know. That's part of the inconsistency that we're talking about. But it's still in our hands, right? And you take that situation right now. I just don't want to go into the offseason with the same sort of questions about shit, what are we going to do at quarterback next year? What happens if it's still the same? You, you know, it well, as of right uh, now,
2: but, as of right now, there's enough evidence to suggest that you play him next year because you know the numbers are the numbers. Okay. But you are playing injury bingo once again. So which me, which means you cannot have Skylar Thompson as your backup next year because then you are a four week IR stint from Tua Tungabala to having your entire season fall apart once again cuz to this day you know Tua is 8 and 4 again the reason he has his winning record is because he misses so many games <laughs> i mm. think you know so if he wins these last two games and he finishes up 10 and 4 and with these great numbers you know he could point and say look i did this and that's pretty good but you don't have any sense of security next season no because no. You know, and we're waiting on Wednesday. We're waiting on Wednesday. We're, you know, they're going to prepare as if you know he's not going to be available because that's the responsible thing to do. Yeah. But you know, uh, we shall see on Wednesday if he's going to be back.
3: I know you're. For, I know handing. I know you're handing to Chris now, but I just want to wish all our listeners a happy Christmas or a Merry Christmas, as you might say in America, and uh, wish them all a happy New Year. Thanks for listening to us throughout 2022, and we shall be back, obviously, with more bullshit in 2023. Thank you for listening.
2: Yes. And we still have one more episode before yeah, exactly. the season so, is done where we will talk we will talk, you know, the fabulous Mac, Mac Jones versus Tua <laughs> Tagovailoa, the Alabama connection. Uh that's going to be so so much fun to talk about cuz the Patriots literally cannot beat you unless they turn you over. You know, <laughs> can can we make it through a game without doing something stupid? Cuz that's basically that, how though? you beat the Patriots. You, you go that, out there, though? you don't do anything stupid, you win.
3: Yeah, I mean, they would have lost to the Bengals if Ramondre Stevenson had not fumbled inside the 10. So, you know. Yeah. Well, all right.
2: We're going to go to break now. And when we come back, we'll have Chris Kaufman, who will probably have another perspective on this. <laughs> but uh, first these words. Do you have a water leak and can't find words coming from? Are you dealing with water or mold damage in your home or business? Then call Water Cleanup of Florida at 954-579-0356 for immediate assistance. With over 60 years of combined experience, Michael, Robert, and their team is prepared to handle all types of leak detection issues. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. After the leak has been located and repaired, Water Cleanup of Florida will then clean, dry, and fully restore the damaged areas. Water Cleanup of Florida is fully licensed, insured, and certified to provide the one-stop shopping that busy homeowners and business owners require. There is no need to bring in other contractors. They will handle the entire project from start to finish. Service areas include Miami, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. Call Michael anytime on his personal cell phone at 954-579-0356. That's 954 954- five seven nine zero three five six or visit their website at wcufl.com water cleanup of florida if you have the schmutz they have the guts
1: say goodbye
2: Uh, okay, well, I, I started with with Simon saying, you know, there's just so many ways that we could say, you know, uh, you know, to uh, ruin Christmas again, but you know, <laughs> I don't know. I, I I told I told Simon, and Simon didn't know how to answer me this question, how to answer this question. But how does a guy go from having the greatest half of football a Dolphin quarterback has ever had, and then completely imploding in the fourth quarter? like how does that happen how does that game happen uh what did you make of what transpired in that fourth quarter
4: well it really it just it just boiled down to the interceptions really i mean i think yeah. that um you know there's it's it's not that they couldn't move the ball at all it's just um it's bad decisions which we've seen we've seen bad decisions and bad throws um sometimes they they come in clusters um but the first interception was clearly an up and down throw. Where to a to a tried to get it up over the underneath defenders and then down over the under you know, underneath the uh, the over top defenders, and um, he got the ball up, but he couldn't get it down. You know, and mm-hmm. uh, that, that's a hard throw. That's a hard throw um, for quarterbacks to you know to a traffic's in those throws regularly, more regularly than probably any other quarterback in the league, and um, and they are difficult throws to uh, execute you know getting that ball up and down that uh to you know let, let's just let's just be honest here to very to small receivers
2: mm-hmm.
4: we do not we have not figured out a way to use you know mike Gesicki as a tight end in the passing game regularly um and so we're throwing a lot of balls, those up and down balls over the middle to uh, to small receivers. Who you know, it just just makes it all the harder. And um, that first throw, you know, he that is clearly just a botched throw. You know, it's just he just botched it. And uh, then the second interception, you know, I, I thought it was interesting to watch the um, the the press conference between Raheem Mostert and Tua Tonga to um, Tua kind of tried to. Do the same thing he always does, and, and take the blame for it, regardless of whether he was at fault for it. Um, and he said he suggested, I, I don't know, maybe maybe I maybe I communicated the play wrong, maybe I maybe I said the wrong play or something like that. And Raheem Mostert, in his interview uh, after the game, you know, just just threw that in the garbage. He said, "No, I got it wrong." Raheem Mostert should have broken off his route um, and gone hot. Uh and he he did not and he admitted that and he said that was hundred percent on him. Uh um, yeah, and
2: it's and it's a really simple concept, and I explained it to, to Simon as well. Uh Raheem Mostert, and you could see it on the broadcast. On the broadcast they show it from behind Tua and Raheem Moster sees the safety right on the hash. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty simple. You don't see a safety, you could run past on the glance route, but if you see a safety, you stop in the short zone. And the ball should be there. Although, you know, it's like I don't it's a nothing decision. Like uh, like I don't know what he's expecting there. Like it's Rain Mostert, you know, it's not yeah. Christian McCaffrey.
4: <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, yeah, but at the same time, I mean, all football is played tight, especially when you're mm. you know, when you're going through the middle of the field. And so when you're trying to count on your players, especially guys that have been here, you know, been been here all year, been um been to camp you know been uh been in this system for years in san francisco mm-hmm. uh you know you tend to you tend to just throw with trust i mean to his to his pattern or i mean to his to his mo out there is throwing with trust i mean that's that's what he does all day right um yeah. and so that's you know that interception was was that you know it was it was a tight throw it was a tight decision um and you could i'm not going to say that you know us watching the all twenty two, we couldn't find a better option or something along those lines. But you know, as to what what happened on the play, the most wrong on the play clearly was Raheem Mostert running the wrong route. But um, but on the third interception, that just to me looked like you know a terrible decision, not seeing not seeing the robber, you know. And I think that if. You know that's that's just something that happens to quarterbacks. It's their fault. They're it's their job not to you know to not not to make that throw. Um, and you know that was just that was just a really terrible decision. It wasn't yeah, a and, terrible and, executed throw. It was a terrible decision.
2: Yeah, so, I was talking to the Simon about that one, and that one was the the most shocking one of them all. In fact, the, yeah. the most shocking one of the entire season, because. That's like a, like that's a cloud six man under, which means it's the most common coverage there is. Everybody plays it from high school all the way down to the pros. And what the Packers are obviously doing there is they're tail they're telling you take eight, and we'll see where we go from there. And that's not so, it's not such a bad thing to just go with your first read, which was actually Tyreek. Just throw him the ball, get eight, and who knows maybe Tyreek makes breaks a tackle and takes it for twenty five. You never know, you mm-hmm. know. And I don't know what he was thinking. Like the, the, like that coverage is designed to kill out routes, wheel routes, switch releases, speed outs, like everything outside of the hash. That coverage is designed to snuff out. So mm-hmm. you throw slants against it or you throw crossers against it or you just check it down if you don't have the time. So uh, that one was a, a weird one. It, it was a very strange decision. It was a really, really strange decision. Uh, I was talking to. Somebody I have
4: about- seen worse, by the way, even this year. Uh, from one of the from Tua, of, from Tua, yeah. Okay, which one? One of the interceptions. One of the interceptions he threw um, that he where he uh, where he just threw the ball blindly after you know after trying to look off um, and just went ahead and and threw it blind without seeing anything. And Mike McDaniel afterwards said that's that's probably the worst decision he's ever seen Tua make. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, McDaniel, this one's probably up there, but McDaniel would probably still go back to that one and say, um, I believe it was against the Ravens, but, um, uh, I think he would still go back to that one and point it out, but nonetheless, it was a bad decision. It was a terrible decision. Um, it happens to, you know, every quarterback at some point, but you don't want that to happen in a game where he's already thrown two interceptions and he's trying to come back. You know, that's it's a, it's a terrible moment in the game to to do that. Um, yeah. So.
2: I was talking to Simon about the questions I had, and, you know, he wasn't allowing for, for all of them to be checked off. I checked off on two of them. Uh, my questions were, A, can this guy play? Can this guy be a, a good quarterback? In my opinion, I think I've seen enough where I can say he's a top 12-ish quarterback, and you can make an argument. He's top eight. I like the way he plays. I think he's a yeah. good quarterback. My second question was, can he play in Elements? We saw him in, in Buffalo. He looked pretty damn good. And I was telling Simon, that was underrated on Sunday. He That first half, it was 46 degrees, and it was rainy. It was miserable down here, okay, in mm-hmm. Miami. And he got off to the greatest start in the history of the sport for at least the Dolphin quarterback, okay? He had, at one point, 13 completions for 300 yards. That's yeah. that's insane, <laughs> okay? Mm-hmm. Then, oddly enough, in the fourth quarter, the weather clears up and it warms up to about 52 degrees. It's bone dry, and that's where the implosion happens. So yep. so I'm, I'm checking off on, on the weather concern. My third concern coming into the season, you know, to check all three boxes was the durability concern. Mm-hmm. He's missed three games. I understand he missed part of the, the Cincinnati game, so people are fond to say two and a half. I'm fond to say it was three. Because I oh. think if he beats, I think he beats the Bengals that day. He he had a swagger about him. Uh, he was throwing well. He was on target. And that game was lost kind of late. If you remember, Teddy Bridgewater had the ball trying to go ahead under five minutes left. So there was an opportunity to win that game. I think, you know, I'm not going to guarantee that Tua wins it, but he missed three games. And now there's a possibility he'll miss two more. And if he does miss two more, that's five that uh, you know that's just that you know to me that delays that delays the talk of uh of an extension, and we're back next year to a wait and see mode you agree
4: yeah um so definitely I, this has been the most this has been the most uh salient criticism of uh Tu since he was coming out of college obviously and and this goes back even before the hit break. You know, and it, it goes back to uh, things that Nick Saban has and, uh, and other Alabama, um, you know, uh, fans and, and you know people who follow the, the tide like we follow the Dolphins. This has been their complaint about Tua all along is that um, he has uh, he has this penchant for sticking to the play, still trying to make a play, still, you know, uh, as as things are ticking down and then he ends up taking some bad hits because of it um and so you know yeah that's that's something that you can see that he is particularly this year i think you've seen that he's he's attempting to uh he's attempting to make progress on that on that in particular um but you know he did take that really nasty hit uh against the cincinnati bengals uh and had a concussion that that forced him to miss the next two games um and so you know who knows what's going on right now because you know we can talk about that in a, in a minute. But um, but yeah, there's uh, he takes these bad hits, and we see it in the games. And I think that you know because because he's very precious to us as fans, um, perhaps we're a little bit sensitive to it, maybe more so than with other quarterbacks. But um, but I think that uh, yeah, it is it is valid criticism. Uh, but at, at the end of the day. The end of the day is going to have to be the end of the day, you know. He hasn't missed another game yet, mm-hmm. uh, for all we know, he's starting this weekend, you know. Um, and so you're we're just going to have to wait and see and then evaluate when, when it's all done. Um, but if if the guy misses two and a half games with a concussion, um, like I don't know, and then doesn't miss any other games i don't know if that's you know i don't i don't really know if that's that's something that i'm going to hold hold against him um now as for the other stuff listen if i if i if i pulled aside the miami dolphins fans before the year started and i said listen i have a crystal ball this is what's going to happen to about is going to lead the league in passer rating despite the the rushing game ranking number 27 in the league right Mm -hmm. and they're gonna win he's gonna go eight and four as the as the quarterback for the game and in the eight games they won they they win by an average margin of 29 21 and in the four games they lost they lose by an, uh, an average margin of 21 29 you know and uh, and and this is the way the season's going to go. Yes, he's going to miss he's going to miss two and a half games with a concussion, um, but you know he's going to lead the league and pass a rating and be eight and four. And uh, and clearly, the defense is playing a very large role in whether they win or lose because they've been frankly terrible this year. Um, if I were to tell you all that before the season. All of those people that were, you know, feeling just so anxious about Tua Tungavalo and, you know, just really, you know, we, we know we know who they are. They'd all be popping bottles. Mm-hmm. If I, and that's I think that's where I think we we live too much in the moment and we lose the forest for the trees um, and, and catastrophize everything. Everything. And you know, from incomplete pass to incomplete pass or interception, God forbid an interception. We uh we catastrophize the quarterback position for the Miami Dolphins. And uh, you know, I, I we can speculate as to why, whether you know it's because we were spoiled for so long with Dan Marino or whether it's because we just haven't had good quarterbacks for two decades. But um, but yeah, that's that's clearly there's clearly a lot of uh, I don't know, trauma. <laughs> In the uh, the fan base, um, I don't know what else to call it, but yeah, I mean, again, you have to let the things play out. Uh, as of right now, he's eight and four. Yes, they're on a four game skid at the end of the season, and that is relevant. Uh, you want to be playing better as you head into the playoffs and toward the end of the season. It's relevant. It's something to discuss, but still, it's you know, he's he's eight and four and had like a hundred and eighteen passer rating in the eight wins. And scored an average of twenty nine points, so you can't just say, "Oh, QB wins." QB wins have nothing to do with nothing. No, it's QB wins plus performing really well. Clearly, you know, um, and so you do have to you do have to evaluate it from a mile high view at some at some point, and let the season and evaluate the entire season after it plays out. So, so to sit here and just you know, because this after Tua entered the the concussion protocol on monday um the immediate reactions were just so extreme everything oh, I, I completely i
2: uh, i you know and, and i'm guilty of that because i like to bring attention to it because it's a it's a fun you know it's a fun topic to just point at and laugh and, and you know and get all mad and and indignant i'm not doing that anymore these people are just a bunch of clowns on espn on on fox on all these all these uh all these networks these people are garbage people they're all they're useless all of them
4: well i mean it's it, and and that's but now you have the fan base talking about tom brady aaron Rodgers, mm-hmm. lamar jackson basically anybody that there is to talk about yeah. um you know whatever whatever 40 plus year old quarterbacks we can throw out there i guess um who aren't even necessarily playing that well this year. Uh, Mm -hmm. And, and I think that, uh, you know, I just think that that's example 1A of this, uh, this thing that I've talked about where we we live way too much in the moment and we lose the forest of the trees. So, um, you know, the season is not over yet. His career is not over yet. Um, I do think it's interesting that there were uh, valid reports the first time around when he had that really nasty looking concussion against the Cincinnati Bengals that his family and people close to him, including his, you know, probably his new wife, uh, appealed to him, you know, basically that appealing to him that, uh, that he should think about hanging it up. I mean, they're very scared for him. Um, and I think it's scary to deal with concussions in general from a person, from a personal standpoint. Uh, you know, it's it goes back to I I'm not a professional athlete. I'm not a gladiator gr- out there. These guys are, and they the guys there are guys that clearly don't care about it, and um and will go out there and, and get beat up. Um, you know, I wouldn't put my my kid through that if I could help it. But um, but these guys are just built a little bit different. So it's to his decision about whether to and and for us to even say anything about it. You know, like. Like, oh, I wouldn't blame him or something like that. It's almost like implying, well, wait, what say do we get at, at all? Like, why why would we blame somebody for hanging it up early, right. you know? And if, if he wants to do that, then all the power to him. Um, but if he doesn't want to do that, then he's going to play when the doctors clear him, you know? Mm-hmm. There isn't going to be some, you know, wimbly, nimbly, you know, decision made by people that are um that are dithering and back and forth in a meeting room uh you know oh should we just shut them down for the year should we you know oh we got to look out for the player and stuff like that no they're going to consult with the actual medical professionals the actual medical professionals and figure out what is right for his timeline and whether he can play. And just to and be clear, whether,
2: we don't, we don't know for a fact, he even had a concussion. He just had symptoms.
4: Yeah. That's, that's also, that's also, that's also worth noting because, you know, frankly, um, the concussion symptoms, you know, can can also be symptoms of other things. I mean, I, I, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to say he doesn't have a concussion or didn't have a concussion. I don't know. All right. But um but I can just think of one example off, offhand. I remember at one point in Zach Thomas's career, he was having a real hard time um, with uh, getting out of concussion protocol because of the presentation of headache symptoms. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, he was really, I think he was really, really frustrated about it because uh, he doesn't, he didn't even, he didn't even think he had a concussion, but he had these headaches uh, for, for weeks. And sure enough, they discovered that he had nasal polyps and and as soon as they were re- removed uh, the nasal polyps, he, he didn't have the headaches anymore you know um so but that fell into the, the yeah the and, and that's broad a... umbrella of concussion
2: yeah and one, yeah. and talking about a, a broad umbrella I remember when I played football I remember one time I was I was I was like, why the hell do I have this ringing in my ear and I, and I have like these constant headaches after practice. And I asked a friend of mine, and my, and my friend looked at me like, are you sure you're not concussed? And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go see the the doctor and, and and have him take me to the clinic to see what's up. And they they did a whole workup on the clinic. And I remember that that, that uh, my position coach that came with me told me, what size helmet are you wearing? And I said, seven and a quarter. And he goes, have you tried wearing a seven and three-eighths? Play next practice with a seven and three-eighths. Tell me what happens." I changed helmets, and sure enough, the next practice, no headache, no headache. You know, so I was probably wearing too tight of a helmet. It could be a, be a million things. Uh, even more of the ridiculous things. The people that make uh, Pat Patrick Mahomes helmet are now appealing the Tua to start using their helmet, which
4: yep. you know, <laughs> you know, hey, you know. Well- any line, helps, it could right? be a million things, but probably, let's be fair, the most likely thing is he had concussion symptoms because he had another concussion. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, we have to, we have to say that. <laughs> you yeah, know, maybe maybe because, a uh, minor one, but it's a concussion nonetheless. Denial. Yeah, but um, but uh, you know, that's but it is important, I think, to stipulate that no, a concussion hasn't been diagnosed. You know, he just he just came in with um, and, and talked with the doctors about um, symptoms. And, you know, we, we can't say whether they're light or severe or what, but um, and clearly delayed because nobody detected anything during the game itself. But, um, but yeah, so he, he came in with that and we can, from there, it's all, it's all speculation, whether it is actual concussion, whether it's one of the myriad other explanations um and, and whatever but I, you know what i what what interested me most about it really is that you know when a, when a lot of people i and i get flack for this i say that he said you know this is this is quite possibly second concussion of the year and people come back at me and they say no it's his third and and then they they think anybody who says differently is is being ridiculous which i think itself is ridiculous that we're all going to assume as base case that the player, the coaches, the doctors who, swore, who swear oaths to look out for the players, uh, they all conspired to lie. Mm-hmm. And they're all liars. I, I don't know any of them, so I don't know any of them well enough to call them liars.
2: And the crew um, at ESPN and Fox uh,
4: Sports are the ones that are that are... Yeah. Bast- and, and us son. on our couches, yeah. uh, us on our couches using our, you know, folksy kitchen table home wisdom. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, are not, I wouldn't even, I won't even, I won't even give it the, the respect of saying web WebMD or Dr. Google, because that's not, you know, there's not even that much uh, research going on. But, you know, all, of, all, all these other people that just saw it on a broadcast, so they're, they're right and, and not the doctors. But anyway, this, this concussion or this uh, protocol. Episode brings, you know, an under uh represented aspect of that Buffalo game to light, which is that it's not just that they didn't take him out of the game, right? It's that all during the practice week he was seeing doctors and being examined, and none found any evidence of concussion. Mm -hmm. You know, we just saw that he didn't he didn't get pulled out of this game, he didn't get pulled out of this game, but the next day in practice, during the practice week, they put him in protocol because there were symptoms. Yeah, I know. And, it's, and, and it's and that would have happened after the Buffalo game.
2: Yeah, and not to and not to harp on this because we've got to move on, but you know, when the play happened, the play that everybody has, the that they're, they're playing it like, like it's the Zapruder film again. Uh first of all, it's a it's a bad play because he extends it way too long. It's four point four seconds when he gets hit and then he gets twisted, and he hits the back of his head. But that play, first of all, it's a bl- bad play. He has the early check down, and then nobody even comes close to him. But second of all, after the play happens, he gets up right away, and he's calling the next play because the next play was the fumble, the Raheem Mostert fumble, which started yeah. the snowball effect. So,
4: yeah. you know, well, let, let's see if he – And you can't – and the and, and other thing is I don't think you can de- – I don't think you can really speculate to the extent that you're, you're saying that his bad – you know, his bad decisions in the fourth quarter or, you know, in the second half of the game were because of the concussion. I don't think that's valid either, really. No, And because, you know, a lot of these people that will say that are the same people that, that, you know, are um, hostile to the idea that he didn't have a concussion against the Buffalo Bills. And it's like, how do you have it both ways? Because he played well after the, you know, supposed concussion in the Bills game. Uh, mm-hmm. He played really well after that. And here you're going to say that he played really well after a concussion there and then he played, but then his poor play in the second half this time, well, that was due to a concussion.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, like,
4: but that, that's having it both ways. That's a contradiction. But, um, but I think, you know, o- overall, we just have to see how it plays out this week. I'm as concerned with as you, if he misses five games this year, you know, that's, that's, not, that's not helpful. You know that's not helpful to to deciding his long term, um, you know, uh, future in Miami. Uh, as yeah. He, and as at, a minimum,
2: at a minimum, at a minimum, it changes the outlook on the roster for next season because you're back to hunting the guy, you know, hunting for a guy that can step in for two or three games or for a four game IR stint that can win well, you a couple of games.
4: But I think so. Uh, yeah. I mean. I think that's true, but I think every team is hunting for the guy who can step in and win you a couple of games. Except the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> well, yeah, but I, I think every team is looking. Every team. Oh, and the Cowboys wants to get wants to get a veteran quarterback that has skins on the wall, and you know, and can can go out there and execute and and win the game. Um, win a team game you know everybody's looking for that everybody that's not that's not new for anybody okay you know that's that's not different for the dolphins than it is for anybody else if there's one thing that's a little bit different about what mike mcdaniel was searching for in his backup quarterback it was it was a personality uh off the field that was that was really important to him you know that was the, the the thing that he put – that was the reason, you know, he was talking about what he wants in a backup quarterback to Tua. He was literally talking about Teddy Bridgewater because he had his eye on him. He thought he was a great personality. He'd be a great person to be around the quarterback room, be around Tua, um, mm-hmm. you know, and so on and so forth. That is that is a priority for Miami, and sometimes I think that, you know, other teams, they might just say it's a priority. Um and and so you know yes i i do believe he's going to continue on that but this this thing about like you know oh well now they're going to have to look for a a backup quarterback who can actually win some games they're all doing that they're all doing that if they're going with a young guy it's because they think the young guy's really talented he's going to win football games if they're going with an old guy it's because they think the old guy's a lot of experience is going to win football games you know it's you know that's so I don't really, yeah, I think, I think they'll take a long look at CJ Beathard next year um, because of his experience with both Daryl Bevel and, and Mike McDaniel uh, as an, you know, as an example. And you mentioned Andy Dalton earlier OnlyFins, and only fins. And, and I think that that's, that's a good point as well. Uh, a good shout. Um, you know, I, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll be looking for, for a guy, but, you know, so is everybody what they're not going to be looking at is probably Teddy Bridgewater anymore, because let's be honest, he, when he goes out there, he looks like he's, you know, he's, he looks like a bundle of sticks tied together and, uh, and he can't survive a game. He can't survive half a game. He can't survive part of a game, yeah. you know, <laughs> and, and it's really, you know, it's as much as we want to like, oh, to it to can't to not uh hack it for the season. You know, and and then we use as evidence games where Brian Flores essentially benched him, <laughs> um, and then we use you know as evidence that he's missed two and a half games this year. I mean, imagine your backup quarterback—he gets in there, he just you—you can't even make it through the rest of the game. You know, and and that's that's the situation we have right now with the backup quarterback that I'd be fearful of. And I think that next year, in addition to looking for a priority on, on on the personality and what he's going to bring to the quarterback room, they're probably also going to look for health.
2: Yeah. Uh all right. Now this part is, is going to be a lot easier. Like Danny Crossman could be could be fired like in the next five minutes and we wouldn't miss him. Like that was that was that was a deplorable performance by a, a coordinator okay. against the
4: Packers. It's, uh, it's I, not working out on that front.
2: <laughs> okay. And I like Danny Crossman. He's fun at a press conference. He's fun to watch on the practice field as he's screaming like a maniac. But no, it's it's just not going to work out. Like, uh, that's not happening. But here's another one. Barry Jackson had tweeted out earlier in the week that the Dolphins blitzed Aaron Rodgers 25 times on his 38 dropbacks. And Aaron Rodgers had a 111 passer rating when he was blitzed. On the other dropbacks, he had a 29.3 passer rating. Josh Boyer just doesn't get it. And I understand that the, that he that Aaron Rodgers didn't particularly play great in this game. Actually, he was not good in this game. But you know, and the defense I thought played all right in this in this game. They played okay. But this is more of a long-standing, season-long thing. Josh Boyer is just not the guy. He's not adapting this team to to the talent that it has
3: currently.
4: You would agree, but You know right? what I find interesting about that, though, is the juxtaposition between Mike McDaniel, is the de facto leader of the offense, and Josh Boyer, the leader of the defense. You know, and I think that um, if you if you put them up next to each other, both guys clearly have a candy dish problem, right? Like both guys have shown. You know, Mike McDaniel will just completely forget about the run game at, at different points, you know, and um, and, you know, that's something that that's something that can happen with him. Um, but you know what? Starting with probably the the Bills game and, you know, and, and then going into into the Packers game, I, I even thought there were times at the Chargers game he was he was trying to he's trying to get better on that front. He is like, he's trying to, he's trying to call, call more balance, um, in these games. And there's an effort. It doesn't seem like there's much of an effort with with Josh Boyer. There's only a week to week decision about whether this is the quarterback. You absolutely do not blitz by any, you know, which, which was the case I think about against Josh Allen, um, and and I think that, but otherwise he just falls back into it. He falls back into just with zeal, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. blitz, blitzing too much. And I think that it is it is a crutch. It's you know it, it. He has a couple of plays where the pass rush can't find can't get home. You know with just four, and then he's like, well, we got you know we got a pressure on this down. Like this is important. Like you know this this is an important down. And it's just this belief that it is, you know, that it is going to work out. That it is the way that you get home to the quarterback. You need to get home, and so I need to, I need to call this. And um, and I think he has a real candy, you know. And like I said, it's a candy dish issue with the old Dan Marino thing, where we don't call run plays because we have got Dan Marino at quarterback. Um, but you know, I think that uh, in this case, Josh Boyer is like I can't call, you know, non-blitzing because we're not going to get home and um, and I think part of the problem there is is really from a, the the way the defense is built from the ground up uh, and it's it's not fitting I don't think it's it's fitting the talent on the defense anymore um the their their idiosyncrasies i don't think I don't think it's working so um, so I think a change is probably going to be made
2: yeah. And and you could tell that there's there's kind of a, an uneasiness, especially how the questions have been asked of Mike McDaniel as of late. And he's acknowledged like, yeah, uh, we have issues there. Uh, yeah. Our special teams weren't good. Like he's acknowledging it more every single week. Uh, I guess on, on the way out, let, let me ask you a question. If I told you that and this is the reason I, I really like Mike McDaniel, because he came in with a reputation and man, did he deliver on that reputation? We have a passing offense that's going to reach somewhere around 4,800 yards. The quarterback that might lead the league in passer rating and yards per attempt. Okay? Our running backs, our running back group is going to be well over 2,000 yards from scrimmage. And our two wide receivers are going to smash the previous uh, franchise record between Duper and Clayton, and they're going to smash it by about 400 to 500 yards. And their fourth in offense, but they're eight and seven. <laughs> like, how well, does that, how does that, how, how does that mess with, with the reality of the, the talent on this team,
4: especially. That's where I go back to. If I would have, if I would have painted this picture for you before the year, you know, before the year even started, what would you have said? You know, you'd say, wow, Tua really came into his own. Mike McDaniel was, you A know, genius was, and probably coach doable. of the year <laughs> was free for real, you know, on the offensive side of the ball now, and they not, have 12 that's not, wins <laughs> that's Not saying coach of the year praises until we get until we get the, the actual win loss records and stuff like that. But I mean, he's he's legit on the offensive side of the ball to to it took that big step your everybody was looking for him to take. Um, and you know, and then you'd look at the lack of running game and you, you mentioned 2000 all purpose yards, but I think that's that, I think that's being a little cute with it because the fact of the matter is that they're 27th in the league and rushing. Um, and so, you know, I, I, there's an issue there now, are they averaging a fair, a fair yards per attempt? You know, it's middling, it's middle. Yeah. 4.3. You
2: want to be over 4.5 nowadays.
4: Yeah, it's 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 the dead. It's basically almost the dead middle of the um of the NFL right now, um, you know, and and so as far as reputation as a run game coordinator, I would say that is a disappointment on Mike McDaniel's part. Um, but yeah, but you overall you come away, you said, well, overall though, Mike McDaniel, he did something. Um, He did, you know, he did well with the offense like we expected him to but the defense is a shambles an absolute shambles yeah. and somebody, somebody's somebody, when that happens, it's like, well, somebody's got to pay for that, you know? Yeah. And, and I don't know, you know?
2: Yeah. It, it, I, and I really do believe it's as simple as, you know, these coaches, you know, they,
4: they
2: you know, they, they gotta, they gotta answer for their crimes, Chris. <laughs> well, you know, on, on only fence, I put, I have a very simple test. It's called the Is this a good player test? And when you get to 10 players on the defensive side of the ball and you still have two more, like I'll give you an example. Is Chris, Christian Wilkins a good player? Yeah. Absolutely. Is Jalen Phillips a good player? Of course. Is Bradley Chubb a good player?
4: Yeah. I mean, if you is, watch him play, yeah. Is Melvin
2: Ingram a good player?
4: Oh, he's a, he, I think he's, I think he's kind of a, uh, he, he's a he's a specialist at this point in his career. He's a he's a part time specialist.
2: And, oh, when he's on the field, think,
4: he's a good. I think player. he's all right. I think he's all right for for what he, what they ask of him. I think he's yeah. pretty good. Decent. Yeah,
2: is is Andrew Van Ginkel a good player? I yeah. mean, he's decent. Okay, Zach Sealer. Yeah, he's a really good player. Jerome Baker. He's a good player. Javon Holland. Very good. Okay, and I'm not mentioning any of the guys that are injured. Okay, uh, exactly. Yeah. You know, Xavier Howard. He's had an awful year, but we know the reputation. Not been,
4: he's not. Frankly, he's not been a good player this year. Cater Kohu, been decent. You know,
2: okay, and pretty decent. Raquan Davis, who keeps doing his job.
4: Yeah. Oh I, I mean, yeah, I, Landon
2: I Roberts. You know, he and does, then you get he to does, the a- he does what
4: you pay him to do. Atlanta, yeah, and then
2: Robert. the IR guys, Byron Jones and Brandon Jones. Are they any good?
4: Is, well, I mean, they're, they're not playing. So. Yeah, is
2: Nick Needham any good? Is Emmanuel Agba any good? Mm-hmm. Is Trey Flowers oh, yeah, I mean, good?
4: Can't, you can't You can't talk about, like, the coaching staff by talking about players that aren't there, you know? Yeah, but they were um,
2: handed – what I'm saying is that they, they were handed a lot of talent, and what they produced was not. But, again, it's
4: irrelevant if you're handed talent that doesn't play, you know? like. Yeah, it, but remember, not, all of those guys – all those guys
2: were, were on the team through six games.
4: Yeah, I mean, those Byron six Jones games they were good. Down. They were not good. Byron Jones doesn't play down this year, though. <laughs> no, but the rest—Brandon, <laughs> you know? were. Uh,
2: Brandon, Nick Needham, all of them got hurt in that Minnesota game. Yeah. So and um, Emmanuel Ogba got hurt a few weeks later uh, against Cleveland. Right. So,
4: and and I think, but I, but and I don't I don't think point is I don't think you need to talk about those those guys, um, in that context because then it just makes the whole argument look unserious um and i think that but i think the bottom line is you know if we're talking about even in the secondary where uh we lost a nick needham at corner right mm-hmm. um i'll be damned if cater coho isn't giving us what nick needham would have yeah you know or better you know um and because because nick needham can be very up and down uh, up and down I and mean, he wasn't having a great year when he went out um, so I, I, think that, you know, Cater Coho has replaced him adequately, you know, more than adequately, uh, Javon Holland is a good player. Um, you know, Xavier Howard is out there. I don't know what's going on, but you know,
3: well, he's are going to have to
4: say either, either he's severely over the hill at this point, or there's something going on schematically where they're making him uncomfortable. And I suspect that there's, there's, there's a big part of the ladder involved, Yeah. um, And so, you know, the, you look at the players that have been there and it should have been good enough, uh, but it hasn't. And you have to look at the reasons why, I mean, the fact, you know, as good as we talk about the Miami's offense, and they are good, they've been a good offense this year. The, whoever is playing Miami offense is actually better. Yes. Which is, which is, you know, stupefying in some ways, um, and so I think that, uh, it, when, especially when you consider the the kinds of talents that you can find on that defense, it's not a bunch of no names, right? Um, so yeah, I mean, there's at some point there's accountability, you know, and we'll we'll see where that takes us.
2: Absolutely. Well, all right. Uh, Dolphins are in the midst of of this this four game slide. I, I like the way Teron Armstead talked about it. I like the way Jeff Wilson talked about it. You know, uh, we're and Robert Hunt, he says, we're a really good team. We're just not getting the results that we think we deserve. Well, you have to go out and, and do, you know what I mean? And I usually sometimes don't like that talk, but it kind of makes perfect sense at this point. Like, you know, you just look around, and you're like, well, you know, these guys are just not playing as, as as well as they should. Really. You know, but it it bodes I don't know how it votes for for the rest of the season because, as I was telling Simon, we can't underestimate how bad these two teams are that we're going to play in the next two weeks. And I understand all, all their good points, which is they have disciplined defense. Both of them do. But the the Patriots literally, all you got to do is not do something stupid and you're going to win the game. You're going to have more points than they will at uh, on the scoreboard at the end of the game. And the Jets, all you got to do is just, just sit around and they'll hang you the game somehow. Even with Mike White, because Mike White's a turnover machine, uh, he just makes their offense much more dynamic, which is saying that it makes it competent. While with Zach Wilson, it's just a, a disaster zone. So, you know, I don't know how how we feel about these two games, but we're going to talk about them on Thursday. I don't I don't know if you want to give a small preview of how you feel about about this game in particular coming up on Sunday, with or without Tua.
4: Well, I think, I think, I think you just have to. So if without uh, if Teddy Bridgewater is preparing as the quarterback all week, um, that get makes me feel better than throwing him in, than throwing him in where there, because this, this, something I've noticed about Mike Daniel and, and this year is what, what he brings to the play into the uh, playbook or to the play sheet, I should say Uh it, ends up mattering a lot. And sometimes I think you don't sometimes I think that there's not enough plays there. Um, and sometimes I think that the the play sheet is so well customized to whoever is supposed to be starting that it leaves everybody else or you know leave if they if a backup has to come into the game it, it kind of leaves them out in the cold a little bit or it puts them, puts them in a bad position. So, um, so the fact that Teddy Bridgewater is preparing as the starter this week, uh, and if he does end up starting, uh, which we don't know, but if he does, then I would feel a little better about it. Um, so there's that. Um, but otherwise, you know, I take everything you said about the being bad teams and stuff. I almost just throw it away just because it's a division game, mm. you know. And frankly, division games always go always go a coin flip. They just have that way. They have that tendency to to say, you know, it doesn't matter how didn't matter how awful Miami's been. They had they were going to win a game against the Patriots, you know, mm-hmm. that how awful Miami's been and how how great the Patriots have been over the years. Um, you know, it's just it's sometimes the division games. It's just. Toss it up and, and who knows so
2: and we'll talk about it on thursday on thursday we'll talk about dolphins patriots and whoever will be the starting quarterback i think we're when to get some news uh, starting on wednesday we'll have we'll know more by the time that that our show airs on thursday but till then
1: thanks for listening to three yards per caddy you can subscribe via itunes on podbean or
0: your usual podcast provider if you don't win your first bet place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotion promotional offer not available in washington dc